This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back in. You're listening to the December 29th, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Mailbag brought to you by MyBookie. We are the Road of His Radio Show dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart, at Fantasy Gumshoe. Joining me today on the show is Mr. Flo Ryder, the master of Flobotics, co-founder of 2QBs.com, consultant with Draft Consultant Incorporated, and fellow caster of pods, as they say, and a writer over at the Fake Baseball. Welcome to the show, my man, Greg Smith. You can find him on the tweets at Greg Sauce. It's great to have you back on the Mailbag Show, Greg. Uh, what's good, man? Oh, thanks for having me, Jeremy. All sorts of stuff is good. Uh, two quarterback DFS is back in my life, thanks to FanDuel, uh, and another year of redraft fantasy footballs in the books for the most part. I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, taking my foot off the content accelerator a little bit and just enjoying week 17 in the NFL playoffs. I actually got a, a quick getaway plan starting this Saturday with the wife. We're going to get out to, to Mexico for a friend's wedding. My 49ers seem to have found an unbeatable quarterback. Things are looking up, man. Things are good. How are you? Things are going great and you got to wear shades out there in San Fran. You got Jimmy the G. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is calling him Jimmy the G, but I'm certainly calling him Jimmy the G. And, yeah, for us content producers, I mean, we'd be lying if we told you we weren't just a wee bit excited for Week 17 here right around the corner. Gives us uh, maybe uh, our, our mouths a, a little bit of break from the microphone, you know, which is never a bad thing for anybody out there because, you know, you're going to want us fresh. But before we do give that uh, little hiatus here, Greg, we're going to answer one last week of uh, QQs for the fantasy playoffs. Believe it or not out there, there are still some people that are playing Week 17 fantasy playoffs. I, I don't know why. Now, I know there's a lot of uh, leagues out there that are doing uh, some of the cu- uh, cumulative. I can't say that word. Cumulative. Say that three times fast. Uh, for the 14, 15, 16, uh, week 17, so on and so forth. And then, of course, we're gearing up for fantasy playoffs, DFS in the the playoffs as well. So we'll go ahead and jump right in. But before we do, Greg, uh, you do, as I kind of alluded to, put together a stellar job aid each week, I might say. Uh, this fantasy uh, football season coin, Flobotics, honestly, it, it could have been named, you know, any any random crap and it would have been the shit because he called it flowbotics like that just alone makes it but it wasn't shit it is the shit tell viz nation what it is how it came to be where it can be found and of course why is something our listeners should be checking out this week and moving forward in 2018 yeah so game flowbotics is this spreadsheet that i put together every week of the regular season uh, starting in week two because we don't have all the necessary data for week one but anyway it has matchup breakdowns for every game on the given slate My overarching goal is to kind of give a holistic view of how any two teams are going to match up against each other. Uh, Essentially, if we can estimate how teams will attack each other, hopefully that means we can predict the pace of the game and the player usage for each team in that game. And so each matchup on the spreadsheet features simple stuff like team record, point differential, implied totals based on betting lines. 
But the main way I illustrate the strength and weaknesses of, uh, you know, each team in the NFL is with football outsiders DVOA, their adjusted sack rate, which, uh, you know, measures offensive line play and defensive line play. And then adjusted line yards, which is uh, also for line play, but in the running game. I also look at their numbers for defenses versus receiver types. And each team's DVOA matchups are color-coded on the spreadsheet. So you can see things like Atlanta's 8th-ranked offense going against Carolina's 8th-ranked defense. And then those overall offense versus defense matchups break down more specifically into passing and rushing matchups. So you could look at say, um, Washington's 11th-ranked pass offense going against the Giants' 25th-ranked pass defense, or Miami's 31st-ranked uh, run offense going against Buffalo's 30th-ranked run defense. And so when you start to see these matchups, you know, you can kind of get a better feel for what each team is trying to do, right, or what, or what they're capable of doing. Um, the receiver-specific matchups show how teams rate in DVOA against different types of players, you know, wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos, tight ends, running backs as receivers, things like that. And they also show volume against numbers for each of those positions. So passes per game, yards per game for each receiver type uh, with NFL averages for those positions shown, uh, you know, for comparison. Now, a lot of analytics-centric people out there are probably screaming at this recording about how DVOA can't be correlated <laughs> to actual fantasy production. And I want to make it clear that that's not what I'm trying to do. I, I agree there's no direct correlation between DVOA, the statistic, and fantasy points, the statistic. Uh, what I'm trying to do with Fullbotics is give more of a visualization tool using DVOA to show big picture mismatches between two teams and to help understand, you know, each matchup on the whole. So, for example, like, you know, the quote unquote funnel defenses that you hear about really stand out. Like you could look at the Jaguars who rank first in pass defense DVOA, but third worst in run defense DVOA. And that'll tell you that anybody playing the Jaguars, if they can afford to, would like to run the ball most likely. And, you know, on the flip side, you have a team like the Browns. They rank third worst in pass defense DVOA, but third best in run defense DVOA. That's the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Teams are going to want to pass on them because it's easier to do so. And so when those strength and weaknesses line up properly against certain types of opponents, the Flowbotic spreadsheet should show should show those, you know, those discrepancies and help us identify individual player values within the matchup. And so ultimately I want Game Flowbotics to help us understand what teams want to try to do against each other, but furthermore to help us understand what teams will actually be able to do against each other because let's face it, you know, every game usually sees one or one team or both teams deviate from their script out of necessity. And so if we can better forecast how matchups are going to play out in those terms of game flow, then that helps us project player opportunity. And if we get better at projecting touches, the Flowbotic spreadsheet also shows us the ease of players' individual matchups, which helps us estimate their respective values of those touches that they're getting. So all in all, super long-winded answer. Like in the beginning, I just wanted to collect a ton of big-picture matchup information for my own reference, put it into something that was easy to understand, and, you know, as I started to refine the layout and use it for my own analysis week to week uh, for rankings and lineup decisions, I figured, you know, hey, I should start sharing this with everybody, you know, in the hopes that maybe it'd be useful to them, too. Just a fantastic tool and an even better rundown. I mean, I could not have agreed with everything you said any any better than the way you put it. And and let me be clear out there. I mean, pr predictive analysis and stuff that is sticky obviously is, you know, kind of like the 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 ring to rule them all, if they will, right? But that does not mean that uh, anything that is holistic or even descriptive does not add value. And I would I would also say, at a from a holistic sense, like if if you see 
analysts out there saying all the time, right? You know, just take a look at my rankings and pick the one that's ranked higher, play him, which which could not be further from the process that you should actually adhere to. Now, granted, everybody has lives and gets a little bit busy, and if you need to take that approach, that's fine, right? Um, but you should have a good understanding and a sense of how these teams want to attack each other, um, how those strengths and weaknesses do line up. So you, as you just beautifully put it, Greg, uh, have a sense of how they're going to attack, right? Like, I I mean, you're going to see chess players do this. You see soccer players and the EPL teams do this. Uh, you, you have to ex- uh, attack the weakness, which is what these teams are doing. And that's why I love Flowbotics so much because it gives you a good understanding. It forces you from a process perspective to re- really kind of get into how you think these teams are going to script. And then from there, you can really kind of weed out any anything else that you, sh- you think shouldn't necessarily be there. So I uh, agree with you. You know, it, it's not predictive per se, um, but if there's any way to get as close to being predictive and, and have a good sense of how these games are going to flow, uh, well, there it is. That's Flowbotics, right? That's what I'm hoping for, man. <laughs> well, once again, we're uh, hopefully going to be bringing the Flowbotics here for Week 17. And again, some folks are in the fantasy playoffs. Now, last week, I did go ahead and give a rundown of all the games and all the different playoff scenarios. I'm going to save the breath this time around and just challenge everyone out there. Do a little fishing and ensure that you know any of these start and sits and uh, any lineup decisions you're making. You're going to want to make sure there's a certain level, at least, of motivation. You know, not necessarily I'm saying that there's some players out there that have nothing to motivate them so they're not going to play. I mean, they're professional football players, right? I I get all that. Um, But if you need some tiebreakers and if you're going to run any risk that a a player could, you know, potentially sit out the third or even fourth quarter, um, you know, that's something that you're going to want to be mindful of. So make sure you get over to the site of rotaviz.com. Take a look at all of this week's analysis heading into the playoffs here. And if you do that, we're going to give you a 30% discount to a rotaviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage at rotaviz.com backslash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content, and it also supports the pod. And I know what you're thinking. The season is almost over. Why the hell would I subscribe to your podcast and your website now? Well, it's very simple because this is a calendric year, and right now is probably the best time literally that you can sign up for rotaviz.com because now you are going to get in for all of the uh, uh, collegiate analysis and production and dynasty analysis that's just going to be shredding through the entire offseason here and you're going to have it all the way through next year's week 17 playoffs which is a beautiful thing so you're going to want to take advantage of that 30 percent off and it also if you'd be so kind uh, support us on the pod subscribe to and rate the rotaviz radio channel on itunes Look, it takes hard work getting the show out every week. Do us a solid and hit that rate button. And we're going to have the show going on for a few weeks here leading up into Super Bowl. So if you have any questions for uh, the Super Bowl, for fantasy playoffs, hit us up at rotavizradio at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and get those answered for you as well. All right, Greg, let's get into the QQs for this week. And, uh, again, we're going to be assuming any start sits are obviously redraft-related here. So here we go. Do I start Ben Roethlisberger or Phillip Rivers this week? I know Ben Roethlisberger should project out better, but I suppose there's a chance the turn uh, the the players turn on the score app at halftime and maybe see that the Patriots are up by 21 at the half. Uh, so does this mean I should start Philip Rivers? Yeah, I think because the Chargers have everything to play for and because the Patriots will likely win against the Jets to ruin the Steelers' hopes of the number one seed, I do prefer Rivers. But you know, just like the Steelers might be watching. Uh, the New England score on the Jumbotron, the Chargers could be doing the same thing to track Tennessee's outlook. You know, if Tennessee starts to run away with that, the Chargers are effectively out, and 
you, you mentioned this before, like motivation does matter. And I'm not saying uh, I'm with you. You know, it's not like certain players are going to be unmotivated, but there are some teams and some players who are going to be extra motivated to make the playoffs. Um, I will admit here that there's some bias for me with Rivers because I I want the Chargers to make the playoffs. I don't know about you, but I think that they're one of the AFC's best teams. And just making the playoffs would be such a monkey off that team's back. I want to see if they can knock anyone off because most of the playoff teams in their conference seem flawed to me. And I, I just think it'd be a pretty cool story. That that franchise seems kind of tortured to me. I, I want the Chargers to make it. I'm rooting for Rivers, and, and he's the guy I'd play. Yeah, I'm with you there all the way. Um, just for whatever reason, big, big Bolts fan here as well. Uh, misplaced over in the Chicagoland area, but ever since the LT duty, uh, LT do, LT duty, LT two days with uh, Antonio Gates and and even before Rivers time. But it, let's just get that guy to the big game. Can we just get this guy to the big game? He, he deserves it. So I'm with you there. Go with Rivers. Uh, start two out of Leonard Fournette, Jamal Williams, Frank Gore, and Gio Bernard. Uh, more motivation leaked in this one. What do you got? Yeah, so, I mean, I know that Doug Marone has indicated that the Jaguar starters are going to play for Jacksonville, but I'd, I'd still be really shocked if Warnack gets a full workload. It's Jacksonville's locked into their playoff seed. They really have nothing to play for. And Fournette hasn't been 100% healthy, so he's out for me of this group. I just I wouldn't consider him. Now, on the other hand, I love Jamal Williams this week. Aaron Jones is likely to be out. We've seen Williams have success with Brett Hundley under center, and the Lions have a pretty bad run defense. And while neither the Packers nor Detroit have anything to play for, per se, in that matchup, Williams does need to prove that he can be Green Bay's lead back for future seasons. So I'm definitely going with Williams. And for the other, I'm going to lean Bernard over Gore. I think the old-timer has a stronger case maybe in non-PPR formats. And the Ravens do rate pretty well against pass-catching backs like Bernard. But I'd still rather start the younger, more versatile guy. Uh, I, I, I There is an argument for Gore, though. The Texans have been batting us around over the past few weeks. So flip, flip a coin there, man. It's Week 17. It is definitely week 17. Well, we've literally put Jamal Williams, Frank Gore, and Gio Bernard in a list, and we're starting them over Leonard Fournette. I mean, there's, there's got to be something to say for that, and I'm with you. I, I, man, Jamal Williams, I, you know, it's like the, the furthest thing from sexy right now, but I mean, they're just going to be, you know, dumping the ball off to Jamal Williams, just running him up the middle, and, and usage-wise, Gio and Gore, yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer there. Uh, I'll lean Gio there as well, along with Jamal. Uh, Dynasty, what's in store for Odell Beckham Jr. next year? He was my clear-cut wide receiver one in Dino, but now I'm not so sure. Is he worth a sell, or is his value a little too depressed right now, given the the recent performance of Eli, and and who's going to be there next year? Yeah, I mean, I get those concerns, but if he was your clear wide receiver one in Dynasty when Eli was his quarterback at the beginning of the year, like, what's... What's so different now? I mean, I feel like talent tends to win out for me in Dynasty, especially at wide receiver. Like, you look at these concerns that people have about Beckham, and we had similar concerns about DeAndre Hopkins, Alshon Jeffrey, Josh Gordon, as recent examples, you know, in down years and those values bouncing back here, you know, at the end of 2017. So, if anything, I'm, I'm holding Beckham or even trying to acquire him. Like, he's a, he's a great talent, and he's succeeded in the face of Eli Manning to this point. Eli's not a good QB. Like, if if they get anybody there, it might be more of the same or even better for Beckham in the long run. Yeah, I'm with you here as well. I mean, Nuke is getting it done with TJ freaking Yates, right? Like, yeah. I mean, 
come on. And, and OBJ, I mean, all this did is prove his worth out there from a usage standpoint out on the field here. Um, so, I mean, that should be a selling factor for factor for OBJ here. And, and you know, with, with such a large, you know, running back class coming out here, uh, who knows? I mean, maybe there's a chance you can get OBJ from his owner right now for a couple firsts instead of having to pay the astronomical three first-round picks or something to that tune. So I'm with you there. He, he's definitely a buy in my eyes as well. Uh, Greg, what's been your biggest tilt of the season thus far, whether it's season-long, dynasty, DFS, real football, you name it. So I have to admit that I, I tend to have a pretty short memory and years of playing games, you know, fantasy and otherwise, you know, poker or other, other, you know, games where variance is involved. They've made me pretty numb to the negative vibes associated with that variance. So my episodes of tilting tend to be pretty fleeting. Like I, I don't carry that stuff for very long. The, the stuff that really sticks with me the most is when unexpected decisions from other people tend to impact me or my teams negatively. So like (laughs) one example I could think of earlier this year is like I'm in two home leagues with the same 10 guys. One of them's like an auction keeper league. The other's just a snake draft redraft. And I was keeping David Johnson in the auction league. Right. And then I drew the second pick in the snake league. And I was like, Oh, this is great. The guy with first pick will definitely take David Johnson. He's kind of the chalk number one. That's going to leave me to get Le'Veon Bell. I get to diversify. This is awesome. Of course, the guy takes Bell number one, and I'm stuck with DJ on both teams, and then he gets hurt. So that that was tilty. But, you know, look at what Bell's done. It's like he, I can't blame that guy for taking Bell. He's been awesome. It worked out for him. I I, I, that, I don't hold that too long, but I'll never forget it. <laughs> um, another one that like comes to mind is Mike McCarthy jerking around Aaron Jones playing time in the middle of the season. That was wow. really frustrating. But, you know, Jamal Williams has looked pretty good since getting healthy after that. So, again, I might have to just admit defeat there. The one that continues to bug me and I still don't understand is what's going on with Tennessee and their running backs, how they've handled Derrick Henry and DeMarco <laughs> Murray. Because, and, and I'm not alone here. Like, this is tilting for everybody, I think, uh, because I invested pretty heavily in Henry in the season. And I don't know, man, like, even this week in a must-win game for the Titans – there's talk of Murray playing despite the fact that he's hurt, and I, I don't think he will hurt or will play, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm hoping that the injury keeps Murray out and Henry finally gets that chance to show what he's worth in a featured role because we've been clamoring for that all season, and if, if the Chargers can't make the playoffs, then maybe, you know, the Titans can make the, the playoffs on the back of a big Derrick Henry, uh, you know, showing here in Week 17. I think that would be a cool story, too, and a, and a good thing to kind of, rubbing the face of Mike Malarkey and, and whoever's making the decisions there with those running backs. That's been infuriating to me. That's my biggest tilt of the year. <laughs> just just a solid list across the board. I'm with you right every step of the way. You know what? It's funny, though. We're in week 17, and this is one of those like mainstay-type questions, right? Because, I don't know, I guess I'm a masochist, right? Because I don't like to tilt, but I also like to hear other people's tilt and what, what put them on tilt. I feel like I missed a complete... I missed the boat, just a clear opportunity here to make like a, like a tilt playoffs, right? Like from everybody's <laughs> tilt from the, from the season on the podcast here. I, I, if, if I, hmm, you know what? I might not be too late for that, but we'll, we'll you see. You could do a bracket, I bet. Yeah, that would work. I, I would love to see that. If Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray doesn't win though, I'd be disappointed. I, I must say that I think that scenario has been mentioned maybe 35% of the time, which is a large number, I might say. 
So, uh, yeah, everybody is right there with you. Exotic Smash Mouth, my, you know, what? <laughs> Playoff Fantasy. I'm a week too early, I know. Uh, but just trying to get a leg up on uh, Playoff Fantasy research. Um, in a specific format, we can start no more than two guys from one team. And the format is PPR. Start one, um, I'm sorry, start two quarterbacks, two running backs, Three wide receivers, two tight end, one kicker, and one defense. Once your player's team is eliminated, your player on that on your fantasy team is eliminated as well. I know I need to target Pats and Steelers players, for instance, but who emerges from the NFC, and are there a couple dark horse teams that could potentially go deep? Well, there are a few things I want to talk about in regards to this question. The first is, nice job having two QBs. I can get behind that. You know, that's that's on <laughs> brand for me. Uh, second is. He says he knows, or he or she says they need to target Pats or and Steelers, and I don't even know if that's the case because if those teams have buys, you do want to have players in the in the you know the first week of the playoffs as well, um, especially players who can potentially you know play from that wild card round all the way through the Super Bowl. So keep that in mind. Like, don't overweight too heavily for the Pats and Steelers. Um, in terms of like a dark horse, the Chargers, if they make it, would be that for me in the AFC. I've talked about them a bit already, but they're good on both sides of the ball. Phillip Rivers is arguably the best AFC quarterback behind Brady and Roethlisberger. Um, the NFC, on the other hand, is wide open to me. I really like New Orleans. They have a good mix of talent on both sides of the ball. You know, good quarterback, good head coach combo, playoff experience with those two, you know, Breeze uh, and Sean Payton. And they'll play in every round of the playoffs, like I said, if they manage to make a deep run. Um, but you could talk me into players from all the other NFC teams, though. The one team I'm most likely to fade is probably the Eagles, mostly just because I don't trust Nick Foles, especially against the good defenses he's probably going to face in the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, playoff fantasy is tough because, you know, the fact that you can lose players is something you don't normally have to worry about in in regular fantasy, and that's honestly not something I've given a ton of thought to, but... Um, I would say look at the Saints, um, look at those, you know, just good teams that do have the buys for those later weeks, but um, make sure to cover the wild card round as well. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the with the, the wild card round there. And I think, you know, this is one of those types of formats where it's going to pain you to do this, but you're going to have to take a couple stands. And I think you just hit them, right? Like you're going to have to take a stand. Who, who do you want to target uh, in the wild card rounds that can get the deepest? And then, you know, you, you're going to have, uh, you know, well, you're going to have four teams out there with buys, right? So you you need to figure out which team you think you're going to want to take a stand with and and basically take you to the end. So like with the, with the Pats and Steelers, for instance, you know, you're going to want to pick one and decide which one you think is going to go furthest. And I, that's just the way I kind of view some of these tournament type formats um, because you're you're going to have that's just the way these things play out. And uh, that's where there's a little bit more variance involved. There's there's a little bit more in fantasy playoffs in these types of formats that you can't necessarily project or predict. Uh, but, you know, hey, you signed up for the format. It's fun. It keeps you involved and engaged. And what more can you ask for, right? Yeah, everyone plays within the same rules, right? So if you can gain an advantage by pr- carefully predicting the correct teams, like you're right, that's the way to do it is figure out which teams you think are going to go the deepest. If those teams are the teams with the buys, you're probably going to be set. Uh, but, you know, don't be afraid to take a chance on a wildcard team because, you know, if you, you can steer into that variance. The, the one other thing I'll say is that because it's a two-quarterback format, you might want to consider at the end of your draft potentially taking some backups like Pat Mahomes or, uh, you know, some, some of those other backup QBs who could 
you know, kind of luck into some playing time if somebody gets hurt. If only because the QB position is so predictable when the guys do start that if you can, you know, if you have a bench, the bench depth to do anything, you know, with a, a backup QB, that guy could give you like a ton of points versus, you know, some third string uh, running back or, or number three wide receiver or something. I mean, it really depends on how deep the bench is, but that's something else you can consider. Good stuff there. Yeah, and while you're watching these games, I mean, and you're in, like I mentioned, you're going to have to take some stands. I mean, if there's something that you still feel strongly about, right? I mean, you're not just playing fantasy playoffs. I mean, the playoffs are as good a time as any to actually put some action out there. Uh, my bookie is where I like to do it. It's an industry leading website that hooks you up for all of your betting needs, and there's great odds, fast payouts, and decades of expertise. You can bet with confidence. Your team doesn't even have to win, as we mentioned. You don't even have to put them on your fantasy roster roster and you know you can bet against the teams that you don't have your fantasy roster built around uh, or you can bet against the teams that you don't want to win so just lay down some cash and win big today or tomorrow if you know your team sucks for instance and they're in the playoffs you don't think they're going to go very far simply bet against them I mean it's a great way to hedge uh, I'm, I'm all about the emotional hedge life Greg Me too. Do you, do you I love do? that yeah, oh I love man it. <laughs> it's I mean as an ailing Bears fan like if there it wasn't another way that I could at least profit from being a Bears fan, why the frick would I be a Bears fan? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, fandom is great and all, but I'd rather fill up the pocketbook. That's just me. I need diapers. I got to pay for something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Where you bet is just as important as what, uh, who you're betting on. Again, I'm urging you to check out our guys over at my bookie. I trust them. You should too. And, uh, if you sign up, we're going to give you, they're going to give you a 50% deposit, uh, bonus on what you're putting down there as well. Again, they have in-game live betting and a very pretty sweet UI. Uh, interface over in the mobile site. And if it's just not sports betting, that's your thing. I mean, they have an online casino there that's pretty cool. You can play some quarter slots, get in, get down on some poker action. Some pretty cool stuff there. Uh, check out the blackjack, roll the dice and craps, you name it. So again, join now. My bookie will match your deposit up to 50%. Uh, use the promo code Roto Mailbag. That's kind of important, right? Uh, use the Roto Mailbag, uh, promo code. That's going to activate your offer. Again, that's my bookie.ag today you play you win you get paid suckers all right dynasty will 2018 be the year of babytron i was obviously excited for him coming out of preseason and he's getting targets again but it took a tj jones injury and now it seems eric ebron is starting to finally figure it out as well yeah, I think we should see more flashes from Kenny Galladay in 2018, but unless Detroit cuts Ebron or Golden Tate, I think we should probably temper our expectations to some extent. I think that Galladay could certainly ascend to wide receiver two status and have a good deal of value, but if Detroit keeps everybody, I don't think he'll really hit his ceiling until 2019 or, or later maybe. I do really like Galladay as a best ball play because he's going to be pretty cheap in those drafts. Um, but I think that seasonal players might find him frustrating to own just because the Lions tend to spread it around in, in the current construct of their offense. You know, assuming all that stuff holds, he's, I think he's probably going to be a little, maybe not overrated, but, you know, just frustrating to own. Yeah. And I mean, where he fits in, I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, yeah, I, I thought Kenny Galladay was going to be able to surplant Marvin Jones by the end of the year in that type of role. 
and he didn't. If anything, Marvin Jones got better at what he did as the season progressed, right? So I yep. mean, it, it's kind of like they have a duplication of of talents right now on the roster, which is, you know, it sucks because we've seen what Kenny G can do. Everyone calls a Babytron. For the record, I've always said Kenny G. I don't know why. I guess that makes me lame. But, um, yeah, especially with Eric Ebron coming on now, I just think, you know, like if, if you're in Dino Leagues and you have 20-plus roster spots all the more power to you but if you're in some of the high stakes stakes leagues and you you know you're only afforded 14 roster spots i i don't know i i that's a tough that's a tough sell that's a tough hold if you ask me uh Greg, I think, oh i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say i think that both tate and ebron do have their contracts expire after 2018 so there is dynasty value there for sure with galladay and there there is the chance that one of those guys does get cut so it's just something where you're going to have to monitor, you know, what they do in the off season. Good, good, good note there. I'm going to have to take a look at cap casualties and uh, uh, any penalties against the the cap, so on and so forth. So more to come there. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, foot short, short depth league. I mean, if you can stomach it, then great. Uh, Greg, what's been your favorite fantasy football memory so far? So I kind of mentioned earlier that like my memory isn't a steel trap by any means, but when I saw this question, the first thing that came to mind for me was just a championship run I made in that home two quarterback league I mentioned earlier, um, and, and doing it specifically with some late round QBs. It was 2013, and I rode Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins to the best record, most points, eventually the title. Like I mean, I had some other QBs in there along the way, of course. That's how fantasy goes, right? You know, bye weeks, injuries, all that good stuff. Um, and Josh Gordon definitely featured prominently. That was his huge season. Uh-huh. But what I what I remember most fondly is winning without high-profile passers in a two-quarterback league because a lot of people think that that's the only way you can do it. Uh, specifically, a lot of the people in my league that year were harping on me for waiting at quarterback. So uh, that that one felt really good. And, and you know, again, we're, we're on brand here with two-quarterbacks. It, right around that time when the, the quarterbacks, you were on top of the world if you you had all the quarterbacks, right? So, you know. Everybody's taking Mike Vick in round one the following year, right? And if you didn't, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, thanks. I'm going to pull down this fantasy championship with uh, Volick and Bennett, baby. <laughs> yes, sir. That was before that Mike Vick time. I don't know. I just had to throw that in there because I think that was my single. I don't know. I, back then, it was like you were nuts if you started these guys in the fantasy playoffs. And, uh, I think, yeah, I would say, though, like 50% of us that are involved in this level of fantasy football, I think we have the sickness enough where I think there was probably a lot of us. So that really doesn't make me special. It just makes me average in this group, right? Yeah, but, I mean, this is kind of an interesting thought experiment for me in general is, like, at what point do you think that sickness becomes, like, a negative? Like, when you play (laughs) fantasy – like honestly, like when you play, are there times when you when you have to worry that maybe you're outsmarting yourself or that you're trying to you know beat the game on hard mode, as it were? <laughs> like, I, I feel like a lot of the times, like people look at these strategies like zero RB or zero wide receiver or late round quarterback, and they tell themselves that they have to do these things to the absolute extreme, and that's never what I'm going to advocate for. Like, to me, drafting is always going to be about finding value and you have to constantly question your own thought process when it comes to these strategies, because if you don't, that's when maybe you miss out on the year when, I I mean, even this year, like Russell Wilson and Cam Newton were both great quarterbacks to own and they were a lot cheaper than they were the previous season. Like if you were on those guys, 
you know, at a, at a slightly suppressed value. Like you still had to pay QB1 prices for them, but they likely paid off. Right now, of course, there are plenty of late round QBs who also returned a ton of value, you know, Wentz, Watson, and so on. But yeah, like I, I, the point I'm trying to make is that just because like I'm telling a story about how I won my league with late round quarterback doesn't mean that you should go out and wait till the last two rounds of your league next year to draft one, right? Yeah, 100% with you there. Paralysis by analysis, as they say. And uh, it ca- I caught that bug quite a few times this year. And, jeez, uh, ah, it happens to the best of us, right? All you can do is learn from it. It's funny when you say uh, trust the process. Well, sometimes the process gets the best of you. And uh, if that makes any sense, there's some irony involved in there somewhere. So I'm with you there 100%. Uh, here's a DFS one here, Greg. How trustworthy are guys like Brandon Oliver and Malcolm Brown this week? I mean, they're about as trustworthy as most other Week 17 options. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Oliver, I think, is set up pretty well for success, assuming that Melvin Gordon sits. And, you know, he apparently got a limited practice in or something like that. But Austin Eckler is also back on the practice field for the Chargers, so he might figure into the mix against Oakland. Um, but but in the end, the Chargers do have to win that game. The Raiders have a middling defense against the run. I think they're uh, 17th in DVOA, uh, 23rd in adjusted line yards. Uh, that measures you know how good their defensive line is at at stopping the run. Um, 28th against rushers as receivers in DVOA. So I think there's value there to be had. The question is going to be how do you sift through Eckler versus Oliver? And then if Gordon plays, I think those other two guys probably become unplayable and you just run out Gordon. Um, Brown is also a little concerning um, because along with Todd Gurley sitting, the Rams could rest other players from their offense and make Brown's job more difficult. But, you know, with that said, his matchup against San Francisco isn't really imposing, even if San Francisco is playing it at full capacity. Uh, so I think that Brown should be fine to use if he's given the volume that we expect him to get. And there isn't really another Rams running back like the like Eckler for the Chargers to siphon away that work from Brown. Um, I do think there's a slim chance that maybe Garoppolo and the Niners can continue this end of season tear that they're on and, you know, push the Rams away from running the ball just through game flow and game script. But, you know, given that the Rams are already making these game tanking moves like sitting Gurley, sitting Jared Goff, I'm not sure the game script is really going to impact the Rams' play-calling decisions too much. Like, they might just be trying to get through this game as quickly and easily as possible without any injuries. Um, that actually brings up a question I have for you, Jeremy. Do you think the Rams are actively tanking towards the four spot so that they're more likely to play against Nick Foles and the Eagles than they are to play against Case Keenum and the Vikings, uh, you know, in subsequent rounds? I don't know if I would go that far. Like, if there was any coach that I think might be, uh, I guess, more liberal to make a decision like that versus just the, you know, the gauntlet of traditional NFL. Like, I'm just getting too deep here, right? <laughs> like, but I think it, it maybe it's McVay, but I don't know. I, I think they'll, I think they're just trying to go in there and just kind of come out and, and move on to the next week here. I don't know if they're going to be tanking to face the Eagles. Uh, because yes, they do have Nick Foles, but you know, granted, it was a good matchup. Nick Foles has proven at least worthy, I, and, and I, I, I see these teams as very similar to one another. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on through his head. So I don't, I don't know if I think they're going to be tanking per se. But I mean, you kind of alluded to sitting starters there. I mean, it does look like you know their their main wide receiver cogs over there in LA are, are not going to get many snaps right there. So you know, in terms of Malcolm Brown. I think he's a much better 
cash play than a GPP play. Like with that opportunity, yeah. I, I think he's probably a lock and load at that 3.9K on, uh, on DK, for instance. You just got to set it and forget it. And Oliver, um, you know, you, you mentioned it's purely dependent on Melvin. If, if Melvin sits, um, I'm probably going to have Oliver. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have both of them out there. I'll tell you that right now for cash games. And, um, well, I, I guess maybe not both of them, right? Because Dion's got, you know, Dion now has to probably have a spot there. Uh, Christian McCaffrey in a good matchup there. So it'll probably be pairing two early this week. It was funny, Greg. I thought I was going to be all about Le'Veon Bell, but then I started, you know, thinking about, oh boy, you know, I guess they can just call it quits after three quarters of play. And, but then you kind of, you think about that, right, Greg? And you think, mm-hmm. well, if they're going to have three quarters of play and they're smashing, it's because, I mean, well, Le'Veon Bell smashed, right? Yeah. Would you rather have three quarters of Bell or four quarters of, you know, Malcolm Brown? It's, it's <laughs> a, it's kind of a tough decision. Like, I, I think that the Patriots And you can afford are, them this week because of the value, too. That's right. And I think the Patriots players are an interesting for the same reason. Like, is Deion Lewis really going to play a full game? At some point, do they, you know, kick the ball over to Mike Gillisley to close things out? Like, how many quarters is Brandon Cooks going to play? Like, this is why, this is exactly why you should not play seasonal <laughs> fantasy in week 17. Like, I get the appeal for DFS. It's, it's kind of just a wild west and, and that's cool. But yeah, like, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of a mess. And, and I don't really know how you sit through it. There's a lot of guesswork involved. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a scripter's dream. Uh, if you're playing tourneys, great. But uh, it, if there's one lesson from Week 17, guys uh, and gals out there is, you know, curb, curb your action a little bit in Week 17. Yeah, uh, you know, that's it, great advice. They say drink responsibly. Play fantasy responsibly as well, folks. You know, this Week 17, literally... Any shit can hit the fan, all right? And and it can go any which direction on you there as well. Uh, moving on here, PPR, start three out of Alex Collins, Latavius Murray, Carlos Hyde, uh, Demarius Thomas, and Devontae Freeman. Woo. Yeah, I mean, this is not a bad list of, of options. Um, I, I think that the PPR is definitely going to steer me towards Freeman as, as a lock and load here. Uh, you know, the, the Falcons have to win. Um, I like Collins, too, because mm-hmm. the Ravens have to win. I think those are the two no-brainer guys for me just because their teams really have something to play for and they should be in the whole game and you know between Murray Hyde and Thomas for the last spot I'll probably go Hyde he's been the most consistent player otherwise so I I think he's he's the pick for me if Paxton Lynch weren't starting for the Broncos (laughs) I think you could make a stronger case for Demarius Thomas but I I think Lynch is garbage and and I, I don't really want to use Thomas if Lynch is under center yeah, I, I mean, it's just even even when we thought Demarius Thomas, I mean, well, he's got to catch balls. I mean, who else are they going to throw to, right? It still didn't really matter. So, like, that just that takes it out for me. I'm with you on Freeman. I'm with you. I really like Alex Collins this week. I just think there's a lot for him personally to play for here. The usage is just through the roof right now. Uh, and, I mean, I, I like Latavius Murray in this spot. But it's it's the same type of scenario, right? Where if they get a two touchdown lead, you know, I mean, I don't even I don't even know who's third string on their on their depth chart right now. Oh, is that like CJ Ham or something like that? It's I, it's not yeah. pretty. I'll tell you what. And that that is the argument for Murray is that there really isn't a whole lot behind him, so they they can't really afford to not use him or McKinnon. They There's got to be somebody. I mean, they gotta. There's, I don't know. I should pull. I should pull up our lads here. But I mean, if they get a two touchdown lead, right? I mean, I I wouldn't be using Murray 
if I'm the Vikings in the third or fourth quarter there, you know? So I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of that. Carlos Hyde is the most script independent there. So by default, I'm with you there as being the number three option as yeah, it's, well. It's, it's a boring, hedgy pick, but that's my style. That's why, that's why I took him. <laughs> boring and hedgy is good. This is how... Uh, leagues are won sometimes. Like it's not sexy, right? That was a that was a lesson I needed to learn a couple years back. That each draft pick, each each team, it doesn't need to be sexy AF as the kids say these days, right? Like sometimes boring and steady gets the job done. Yep, that was something my old uh, podcast partner Josh Lake, uh, Lake Two QB, is on Twitter. He, he really hammered home for me when we did our podcast over last year and through the offseason this year. Is just he he kind of opened my eyes to some of that sort of thinking and and I was already a pretty conservative player but um and I'm not saying that he's more conservative but just taking a more measured and I guess calculating approach to some of this stuff is like just go where the touches are man and that's that's what you're getting with Carlos Hyde over Murray I think 100%. All right, so we've got the fuck, Mary kill this week, Greg. The faces of 2017 coaches here. I don't know. I was trying to go for, like, the faces of death, right? Like with a, a skydiver <laughs> going into the alligator Everglades, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, maybe, man. Uh, oh, gosh, I feel awful because I was just about to say, which means I was thinking, too bad that wasn't Hugh. But that's <laughs> that, – Lord, I apologize for that there. Moving on. Uh, so – the aforementioned Hugh Jackson, John Fox, and Jack Del Rio are the three I names. But as we kind of had a conversation, I'm going to give you the liberty to add exotic Smash Mouth to this list, should you choose as well. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to stick to the script here, um, if only because I, I have some written notes. But <laughs> uh, and, and I might have been misinterpreted the question uh, at a base level. I I thought we were specifically talking about their faces. You know how people talk about like the Eli Manning face. <laughs> Or so so bear with me and this will this will start to make sense. <laughs> you gonna, just made the question so much more fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna marry Hugh Jackson's face because he looks kind of like Barry Bonds, and I've been an irrational Bonds fan since the early nineties. And <laughs> if if he doesn't make the Hall of Fame one of these goddamn years, I'm gonna I'm gonna go crazy. So that's my Mary. Uh, I'm gonna kill John Fox's face like he killed the fantasy value of everyone on the Bears, Tariq Cohen most of all. And I'm oh. going to fuck Jack Del Rio's face because that's the only option left for him. <laughs> Plus, I don't, I don't like the wave. I don't like the wave he always had. Like it always did it, something about the wave. If we're if we're going for appearance and in the face, right? Like you know, he's got like the little the wavy flip going on his hair. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I, it's it's bad. It's like uh, it's like the bad guy from Karate Kid, uh, <laughs> Billy Zapka. <laughs> Get him in a Johnny, uh, Johnny. Uh, get him, get him a, a body bag. <laughs> oh my goodness! Nicely done there. So that was the literal faces of the 2017 coaches. Uh, moving on here, can I pick up and play either the 49ers or the Cowboys defenses and use them over either the Pats or the Chargers this week? So, so no offense to the person who asked this question, but this is probably the question that frustrated me the most because it's it's not as if SF and Dallas are you know, automatically going to be good fantasy defenses just because they're facing teams using backup QBs. You know, like the Rams and Eagles are likely to play pretty conservatively in these games because, again, they're just trying to get through these things uninjured. So, so yes, that means they might not score that many points. But what we really want from our fantasy defenses are turnovers above all else and hopefully turnovers that turn into scoring plays. And I have a feeling that both uh, Philly and Los Angeles are just going to run the crap out of the ball 
I, I think that you have to stick with the Pats and Chargers here because both those teams are still playing for something. And, and because the Pats have a great matchup against Bryce Petty, the Chargers also have a great matchup against Derek Carr, and their defense is really good in the first place. I think you stick with who you got here. This is, this, this one bugged me a little bit. Don't, don't overthink it here. Yeah, you, I think you hit the nail on the head there with overthinking it. It's not necessarily that you're, you're not gaining anything from using these defense. It's not like this is, this is DFS where you, you get 2,500 in salary savings and now you can use that money, right. uh, because of, you know, inherent variance at the position to, to bulk up somewhere else. Um, you know, you, you have the patch of the chager, uh, chargers here, then yeah, you start them. Uh, DFS, that's a different conversation here. And I think if, you know, if it bumps you up to another tier, that's then that's certainly viable there. Um, and, and speaking of bumping up to another tier here, this is going to be a weird week for for uh, you know weekly. I guess I should say daily DFS. We've already talked about all the different motivational factors here right now. I haven't necessarily checked out this week the landscape over on Draft yet, Greg. But I have a feeling there's going to be some people out there still drafting the likes of uh, Robert Woods or. Tom Todd Gurley or, you know, not necessarily Nick Foles, but, I mean, there's going to be some players that are going to get drafted, and I need to get some action over there uh, because it's a fun way to do it. You can do it from your bathroom. This is the joke of the podcast. That's where I get all my action off, um, you know, app action. Not <laughs> Slow down. I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I should edit that out or something, but I'm not going to. Keep going, man. <laughs> so, yeah, basically not that type of action, but this is going to be a good week to go try out draft. It's not too late. They're still giving you $3 to go play for free uh, with your first deposit. All you have to do is uh, hit the Roto. Uh, RV Radio, the promo code, and basically that's going to give you a three dollar tournament, which is pretty awesome. So go ahead and check them out. Uh, they ha- they again have one of the slickest apps out there in the industry, bar none. It really is super fun to play over on Draft. And what I always say every single week is you're going to want to scroll down a screen or two and find the players that nobody's going to take because they're not the top of, as we alluded to in the early conversation here, people's rankings. Um, and if you're doing one of those dream type teams where you can only take five players. Look, if you draft the top five rated projected players, you're going to lose. Even if you win, you're going to be splitting. So it makes zero sense to draft that way. So find out who's going to score the touchdowns and who's going to get the most usage one page down. That is your challenge for this week to head over to draft, scroll one page down and find that player. I mean, Hell, this week it could potentially be Brandon Oliver. If Melvin Gordon doesn't play, there's zero reason why you can't take a crack at Brandon Oliver over on draft and bulk up everywhere else and pull down one of those tournaments. Um, so that's it. Again, the uh, promo code RV Radio at playdraft.com or in the App Store on iTunes. And uh, I, was gonna, I was about to say Android, Greg. What do you call the other OS? Like, I. I think Android's right, isn't it? I I have no idea. You I'm, just I'm say, an iPhone okay. user. Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, you know what that makes us? That Slaves makes, to Apple? That, and it makes us old. <laughs> You're damn right. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, the kids these days, right? I say that like the kids these days here, Greg. Like, I didn't realize, that, like, I blinked my eye, and all of a sudden, iPhones weren't cool anymore. How did that yeah. happen? I mean, the thing is, is I'm not cool either, so it's fine with me. I, I don't mind having an iPhone. Yeah, I see form and function. 
That's all I go for. In simplicity, the iPhone, I tell it to do something, and it doesn't. It doesn't skip. It doesn't lag. It doesn't break. It's simple to figure out. I am stupid-minded sometimes, and that's what I want from my iPhone. So you better believe that's what I got here. The Android, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not about all the, you know, using my, my phone for, oh, I don't know, breaking codes, and I, I don't know. I, I guess that's what what the cool kids do these days but uh, uh but that's the, be- the beauty is that you know anybody can get the draft app right whether you have android whether you have ios and not only do they have these uh you know daily site or daily contests going on over the off season they're going to have best ball as well and i did a lot of those in the off season on drafts so so keep an eye out for those down the line damn it greg that makes you you see that's all that's a professional bringing it back well done sir well done very yeah, man. I'm impressed, Greg. I must say, <laughs> you you must do this. I it's think... it's true. I, I may have even read some draft uh, promos in in my own show. So <laughs> go go back and listen to those. Oh, it is definitely week 17. I love it. Uh, moving on here. <laughs> PPR: Brandon Cooks, Doug Baldwin, uh, Baldwin, Baldwin, T. Y. Hilton. Which do I sit this week? So this is one of the the tougher questions uh, that I think we got this week. If only because there are question marks with all these guys. With T.Y. Hilton, it's just he's always going to be kind of a high-variance play with Jacoby Brissett under center. But he is going against Houston. I think he's the guy I like the most of this group, strangely. Um, I think Baldwin is a little concerning. You know, Thanks to Patrick Peterson, Arizona only allows six passes per game, 46.2 yards per game to number one wideouts. Uh, league averages are about eight passes and 65 yards per game. And I, I know that Baldwin primarily plays from the slot, and he may not be shadowed 100% of the time by Peterson, but the Cardinals are going to have to have some sort of plan for him, right? And and because they have Peterson, that may, might let them shadow more uh, coverage towards Baldwin. Um, so I think you could justify benching him based upon the matchup. But on the other hand, considering that the Steelers have apparently resigned just to take the AFC's number two seed, I am worried that Cooks, as we discussed earlier, isn't going to play a full game for the Patriots. And limited snaps for Cooks could equate to a dud performance here. And if he doesn't connect on you know, a big splash play in limited time, I think that that kind of tanks his value. Um, so he's probably the guy for me that I'd bench. And I, I don't feel good about it. But it, again, we're, we're in week 17. There's, there's not a whole lot of rhyme or reason to this. I'm kind of taking a shot in the dark saying that you know, maybe Cooks isn't going to get there early on and maybe won't even be on the field later on. Yeah, the, the, the interesting dichotomy of this question, it's like everything we've been talking about with motivation, Doug Baldwin, Brandon Cooks are both on teams that, that have it, and I'd still rather use T.Y. Hilton here in this instance. I, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre, and I, I had the same reaction. It's like Hilton's the only guy I trust out of there because I know that he's going to get a ton of targets in that offense, and we've seen him have success, you know, against bad pass defenses like the Texans, and I'm I'm banking on that. I want to see more. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. And I realized, Greg, last time I had you on the show, uh, one one of the questions I somehow I let you off the hook. I'm not going to let you off the hook now. So, what's the worst job you ever had? Oh man, I was a busboy and a dishwasher at a restaurant for about a month, and that's about that's just about how long it took me for re- to realize that. I never wanted to work in food service again. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever worked in a restaurant, but for me, I'm the type of person who lives on regularity and structure. And th- there's anything but that when you're dealing with people ordering food at random times, ordering different things and, and dealing with all the nonsense, like your hours are, are never set. 
and you work late and it just it was it was not for me, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> so you were the guy in half baked that says, Screw you, screw you, screw you, F you, you're cool, I'm out of here. Yeah, and that that was basically what I did. It was like I just eventually I just stopped showing up. And there was like kind of a, a <laughs> One specific incident that I won't get into that kind of led to that, uh, but needless to say, the, the people who I worked with didn't really give a shit about me or my problems, and they just wanted me to wash dishes until you know midnight every night, and I wasn't really into that. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's funny, right? Like it, the food service is not for the faint of heart. I, I actually used to manage a pizza joint uh, through latter high school years and college years. I didn't actually mind it. It's funny because sometimes I, I wouldn't mind going to do dishes because it'd be like the middle of a rush at like seven thirty on a Friday night. But somebody's got to get the dishes done, so it's like, all right, well, I'll be the one to go back and do dishes just because I can just sit back here and chill and go at my own pace, listen to some cool tunes in the background. About you guys are all scrambling in the front, right? So that was that was my viewpoint at it. But I will say one of the perks of managing a pizza store, Greg, is um, you know I, I I I can't expect the owner of this store to be listening to this podcast right now. If he is, I'm cr- incriminating myself. But one of the advantages <laughs> was having the keys to the shop, right? So, yep. you know, if you're like 19, 20 years old, you know, and you get a little hungry at one one thirty in the morning, what do you do? You go make a pizza, man. You go make a pizza at one in the morning. So, I mean, that was cool, right? I go back over there, make a couple pies, uh, mix in a little bit of ranch, a little bit of buffalo sauce, and make some chicken jalapeno bacon pizzas at one thirty in the a.m. And, I, you know, you go back, you, you pound a couple more back, and you, you do it again the next day. It's a beautiful thing. What's your favorite pizza of all time? Like, what, if you could have your dream toppings, what are they? It, it would definitely be a buffalo chicken pizza. That, so, like, with barbecue sauce as the sauce of the pizza or with, like, a standard, like, tomato sauce as the base? It, it would it would have to be, uh, uh, the like, a like a Frank's or a, um, a Ooh, buff- yeah. like a buffalo sauce. So, a buffalo sauce. The, here's a secret that nobody mentions. You, you have to mix in a little bit of ranch. So, you do, like, four parts of the buffalo sauce for one part ranch. And obviously, Get that garlic in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You do it. Well, that's the thing. You do a garlic butter crust, right? So you use the liquid butter. You got to get some, some garlic salt in there. You got to get some Parmesan and Romano cheese. You put that on the crust before you put it in the oven, right? And then yep. it comes Th- out. Ooh. This, this is probably more valuable than any week 17 analysis we're giving right here is, is how to make the perfect pizza. It, it really is. Oh, and with the Chicago style pizza, right? Like you take it and there's an art, there's an art form in making pizza, right? Like you can't just take a Chicago style pizza out. Like you have to actually mold it around your finger every inch. And when you do that and then you put the garlic sauce, it comes back out. It's just like, it, it looks like a jello mold around the outside, right? It's just, it's a beautiful looking thing, I must say. And, uh, that's how you're just going to make the best pizza you've ever had in your life. So uh, if there's nothing else to learn from this is that I think I just need to quit my day job and go open a pizza shop. There you go, man. You're off, you're off to the races. <laughs> so moving on, I think I lost my place here. Uh, well, we're supposed to be talking about A.J. Green, not green pepper and onion here. So uh, can I trust A.J. Green this week? I also have both Jarvis Landry and Marcus Goodwin uh, and have to sit one. So I think Landry has some additional motivation for achievements or something this week. Uh, Goodwin has just been off to the races here. A.J. Green has not. What say you? So I don't know about these incentives that you're talking about with Landry. Can, can you give me a little more detail there? Because when I read this question, he was the guy who jumped out to me as the guy I wanted to sit. He's only hit 
double-digit targets once since week 12, and the other guys are, you know, still seeing those consistent, you know, wide receiver one uh, workloads. I, I'm, but maybe I'm missing something with Landry. Can you go a little deeper on that? Do you, do you have any more details? I thought he has a yardage milestone for some sort of contract. I could be completely wrong on that here. Um, just pulled up his page on Roto World here. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not seeing that. So maybe it wasn't Landry that has that. So uh, we'll just go ahead and scratch that, and we'll let you carry on your Jarvis Landry talk. Well, I mean, I think all these guys are fine options, really. So, I, yeah, it's it's tough to say. Now, in PPR, Landry might have more appeal over both Green and Goodwin, to be honest. But um, just with the way Garoppolo's been playing, I'd have a hard time sitting Goodwin against a Rams team that's not really mm-hmm. going to be trying too hard. And A.J. Green's A.J. Green, man. I don't think I could start Jarvis Landry over him just in a vacuum, um, even with everything that's going on there. I am curious to see what happens with the quarterbacks there in Cincinnati. Like, it seems like even if they don't want McCarron to come in like for their own purposes, they might try to prop up his value to some extent for all this you know nonsense that's going on with Cleveland. Um, I, I don't know how much AJ McCarron impacts AJ Green's value versus Andy Dalton under center, but that that is another point of concern here potentially. With all that said, Jarvis Landry's quarterback is Jay Cutler, and we know Jay Cutler is uh, about as sporadic as it gets. So. Yeah, I, I break ties in favor of talent here, and Green's, Green's the guy I'd rather start. I think Landry's the sit. Oh, my gosh. So because Jimmy G became Jimmy G, because he was already Jimmy the G, now A.J. McCarron's could potentially be Jimmy G. And so it's, now his value just by default is, is has just been escalated, hasn't it? it? It seems like it, and it's funny because I don't actually think A.J. McCarron's very good. I mean, we've only seen him in a few games, and he had like – it's funny, like that one stretch a couple years ago where he – where Dalton got hurt and McCarron played multiple games. McCarron looked good in the first game, slightly worse in the next. He just kept getting worse and worse as teams like got more film on him. And I, I understand that he's older now. And we, we've seen what happened with Case Keenum this year. Like there, there's an argument to be made that, you know, these young quarterbacks obviously aren't going to look great in their first NFL action, especially if they're taking over for an entrenched starter. But I, I'm not a McCarron believer necessarily. Like, if he gets a starting job, he'll have some value because, again, all quarterbacks do. But I, I don't like if if I'm the Browns, I'm not paying for him. You know what I mean? It, it, so it's like AJ McCarron is he the next Jimmy Garoppolo or is he the next Towel Boy? Like I'm Water Boy, everybody's going <laughs> trying to roll out their Water Boys on the field and they come out on stretchers, right? I mean, is that is that what we're dealing with with AJ McCarron here? It oh, seems goodness. like it. I, I'm, yeah, I don't really want any part of him. I think that he is definitely not the next Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I'm with you there as well. So DFS, what are you doing with Pats and Steelers players? Are they cash worthy? I, I, you know, I think where this, I get where this question is going. I think we've alluded to it. I mean, even me personally, before doing a little bit of research additionally through this week, you know, I. Oh, gosh. Like, Deion Lewis it should be in a smash spot, right? But how much do they use him this week as well? So, you know, I don't know. I'm still up in the air. I don't even know how much cash I'm actually even going to play at this point. I, all I know is, you know, McCaffrey, um, most stuff. Uh, Lewis, I'm still going to say at the very least he's cash viable. Um, now, you meant, you alluded to the Steelers calling it potentially just waving the flag here. Is that the situation we're dealing with? I mean, maybe it's the problem is that either team can pack it in mid-game if the result of the Patriots game becomes obvious, and they're playing the Jets, so that could happen as early as like the second quarter, right? 
Uh, we've already know that Le'Veon Bell and Ben Roethlisberger are slated to sit. So with that in mind, you know, looking at the Patriots side of things, I would shy away from using any of their players that are crucial to their playoff success, you know, and that includes Tom Brady and it includes Deion Lewis because the team can't really afford for either of those guys to get injured. So, you know, kind of by proxy, I, I mentioned this earlier, I think this might be a good week to deploy Mike Gillisley and that's not a cash game play by any means. So I, I don't think that in the framework of this question, I'm really giving this guy a good answer, but I think if anything, Gillisley might be a, an interesting tournament play, and, but even he, he's not practicing right now. So that's a question mark. It just seems like he's New England's least important rushing assets. So if the Patriots do rest Lewis and if James White misses time and Rex Burkhead misses time, you know, further uh, again in week 17, then I think that that could mean more work than usual for Gillisley, even if Lewis does play the whole game. So I think Gillisley's the most interesting guy on the Patriots. And I think the Steelers are kind of just a, a complete avoid unless you want to just really chase a dumpster value with Landry Jones. Like, I could see that. Like, his cost is going to be so low in DFS that you could run him out there and hope that he has a good game because the matchup is right. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm probably staying away. I, I mean, I'm not really playing that much DFS this week in general. You alluded to to playing uh, responsibly earlier, and that's that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm kind of staying away from the game in general and especially these two teams. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. When I have reservations about playing Landry Jones in preseason DFS, I'm not going to feel good about going that route in NFL actual DFS. So it's right. like, and, and, and man, what started out like a smash spot for Juju, all the Juju, it's like, well, I don't know if you can go there anymore. So when, you, when you've got these for sure things that are no longer for sure things, you know, it's... uh yeah, I don't think I'm about that life here this week. All right, Greg, movie within a movie time, my favorite. Take movie one's cast of characters, pick them up and move them into a completely different movie's plot. What is the new movie and how does it play out? Man, I love this question because it reminded me of just some really inane arguments that my friends and I would have back in college. Um, <laughs> things like who would win a fight between a Jurassic Park velociraptor and a Kodiak bear, like the one from <laughs> The Revenant. Or, like, who would win in a fight between Harry Potter and the, the Incredible Hulk? So, because I already have Ooh, some thoughts, one. because I have some thoughts about this particular matchup of Potter and the Hulk, uh, let, let's do that one. I, I think if you put either one into the other's movie and have them battle it out, I think the outcome probably depends on how many of Harry's little wizard friends are around to help. But the <laughs> fact that he and his team's powers are, you know, legit actual magic quote-unquote and he's not ruled by just some emotional rage that makes him stronger i think he probably figures out a way to you know outsmart and incapacitate the hulk and best case scenario i think he figures out a way to kind of hold off the hulk maybe subdue him so that bruce banner can come back and take control from there (laughs) you know harry and bruce probably become you know best friends because nerd game respects nerd game and they're just going to make quick work of whoever, you know, the true enemy is in the given movie, whether it's, you know, Voldemort or some some random Marvel enemy, right? But, you know, with all that said, maybe Hulk would just smash Harry Potter and, you know, in two and a half seconds because Harry's a dumb little kid. I don't know. What do you think? I think that's glorious. I love it. I mean, at a larger, larger scale, this is why this, this is just so beautiful because you just started a new series of taking Harry Potter characters and, and just making superhero films with them and then taking the superhero films and, and, and them just going out and fighting the, the dark lords of the world uh, <laughs> and just switching, switching the plots upside down on one. Now, here's something interesting. What if 
And I think there's a case to be made here. The Hulk actually is from the Gryffindorth house. Is that, is that okay. the house? Gryffindorf, right? That no. sounds right. I'm, I'm not a big Harry Potter guy. I just I, I tend to boil this down to the, the basics. Like you have like a kid who's a wizard and you have <laughs> a giant rage monster and the rage monster only gets stronger seemingly as he, you know, becomes more and more hurt. But I don't know, man, if you have a little wizard kid, then again, I'm getting back into the fighting as opposed to figuring out what house the Hulk would be from. And honestly, I I don't know enough about Harry Potter to make that call. And I figure no matter what I choose, I would piss off, you know, some semblance of the audience so much that I think I already have because my site, I butchered the never name. listen to my podcast again. And I, <laughs> Yeah, we we can't have that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna abstain from picking a Harry Potter or or uh, what's the name of the school? Oh man, now I'm now I'm really screwing it up. Um, oh jeez, what is the name of the school? School of the no, School of the Gifted. That's like X Men. That's X Men. Uh, no, it has like a name, man. See, see, now they already hate me. I gotta stop. Yeah, um, you, the worst part about it is, you know who's the biggest Harry Potter fan? Who's that? Matt Friedman. Oh boy, the the, the executive producer of this show hogwarts is the name of school oh like a lightning bolt <laughs> oh, in my brain. all right oh gosh please forgive we, me harry potter fans please you, forgive me please forgive us both uh <laughs> matt do not punish me with your wand and we'll move on from there uh matt ryan or case keenum this week ryan i i doubt keenum plays the full game yeah and plenty to play for for matt ryan there eric ebron or antonio gates Gates, all aboard the retirement tour bandwagon, man. This this is one of the coolest stories. Like it's it's a shame to see Hunter Henry get hurt, but I'm all about that Gates life. This is this is cool. I, I hope that he can have a huge another good game, like and get them into the playoffs and make some noise, man. It's time for the old man to get some respect. I mean, not that he doesn't have it, but let's let's see it, man. I want to see it on the field. You know what I just realized, Greg? So on that last question and on this question, I put this week on the end of both of those questions, which is an absolute implication. And Sean Siegel two weeks ago talked about that on this very show. One of his, his jokingly pet peeves while doing editorial work is yep. removing random this week's all week long. And I have literally just done it on this outline and broadcast it across the airwaves. So I have to self-edit those out myself all the time at two QBs and I, I feel the pain, but at the same time, that's just how people talk. And I don't, I don't think you can begrudge anybody for at least putting it into the writing. Now, yes, it makes more work for the editors. Um, but I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a tough habit to break. Let's put it that way. It, it, it clearly it is because I literally just did it even after hearing that. And uh, I, you'd think I would edit this out at this point, but no, no. I mean, that would, that would, that'd be cheating, right? Like I have to keep it in at this point. Yeah, we can't run it back. I already forgot what the question was. <laughs> what question? Uh, yeah, exactly. If you could go anywhere, past, present, future, where or when would you go? So I had a few thoughts here. And the first place my brain went was to go back to the moment of my birth so that I could rule out the possibility that I'm some android in a simulation. You know, shout out Denny Carter. But besides <laughs> that... Maybe a visit to some different and hopefully more advanced civilization on some far off planet. I think that'd be pretty mind blowing. It'd be really cool to see what sort of sports and games that, you know, aliens play. Uh, but uh, above all of that, though, I think if I could get like a season pass to multiple past events of like the same type, you know, how you get like a, a season pass to the theater or, you know, season tickets to a sports team. Like I would love to have, uh, visit the past season pass 
for seeing like concerts of now gone bands that I love. So like, this is one of the reasons why I love concert movies like the last waltz and stop making sense. Um, cause like, even though I wasn't there, I can relive some part of that experience through the films, but it would be really awesome if you could go back to those like non-recorded concerts, those legendary shows from like great musicians at their peaks. Uh, like kind of like going back in time to see Wilt Chamberlain's hundred point game, right? There's no video footage of that game, but if you could go back and see that, that'd be pretty meaningful and pretty memorable. So uh, that would be, be it for me is like a season pass to like old shows that, that I'd never be able to see otherwise. You may have just made the best movie never made right there. It, it, it would just, you know, some sort of quasi sci-fi, but, but not because, oh my gosh, that would just be amazing. I mean, a, a better remade version of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is really what you've just done, right? Yeah, I mean, cut out all the Socrates and the Genghis Khan and, and just go <laughs> see some killer killer live acts. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. And, see, I, I'd, I'd be right there alongside you for the ride there. Oh, my gosh, if I can go back in time and be live for the Jordan days, that would just be oh, glory right there. If I could go back in time uh, to, to 1991 when the White Sox were on their way to winning the World Series the first time, but there was a strike that happened that year. They were on fire. Nobody knows that. Uh, Frank Thomas hits that ground rule double into the right field, and I'm there with my mitt, right? Like, it's coming to me. I'm in the first row in the stands. It's just about to get into my glove, and whoop, somebody comes in and puts their mitt in front of mine, in front of mine, and catches it. A poor little 10-year-old boy. Can you believe that? What a monster. Yeah, you know who it was? Who was that? My older brother. Oh, man. <laughs> I've got a I've got a younger brother, so I've probably done similarly, <laughs> yeah. you know, shameful things to him over the years. So I I probably can't speak too ill of of your older brother here. It's, but it, if it's you had to law. pick like one sport that where you would get that season pass to go back in time, would you pick baseball or would you pick a different sport? Ah, uh, I'd probably Oh gosh, I'd I'd pick basketball just because it's been closest to me, but no, no. See, no. I want to go back and I want to see, I want to see Ronaldinho. I want to see Ronaldo. I want to see Pele. Like, I want to see these dudes play in just a world setting, right? Like, but maybe if I can do so in a bubble, because like, I do not want to be in the stands in Brazil and get pissed on or get in a brawl. You know what I mean? Like, I'm probably stereotyping there as well, but like I do know it's that important to a lot of people that you know not to leave the. So I don't know, but I think those would be just high level achievements that on a on a world level I would die to see. Yeah, soccer would actually be my answer too, if only because I've been alive long enough to have seen like enough baseball, football, and whatnot. Like as it mm-hmm. happened, I have those memories already of you know these great games, these great players, but. I don't, I don't have that with proper football, man. That would be, that would be incredible. Like you said, Pele, Maradona, like all those, you know, all the World Cups dating back however long, like in, yeah, uh, unbelievable. I, I, that would be, that would be amazing. 100% there. Uh, all right. Uh, last uh, serious question of note. I've been streaming quarterbacks all year. Not going to stop now. Patrick Mahomes, Tyrod Taylor, or Jacoby Brissett? So, we, we do the two quarterbacks thing at our site. And as much as I want to say Mahomes, just because we've been waiting to see him, you know, since he was drafted, <laughs> I, even before that for some players, I think the other two guys are still better choices this week. 
I, I don't think Mahomes is going to have the Chiefs' full complement of skill position players, and he's facing the Denver defense. So right there, it's just a tough matchup, you know, divisional matchup. I have a feeling that Denver's going to come out there geeked up to, to play. Um, so, so Mahomes is, is out. And if you boil it down to the other two, man, I mean, it's pretty close. Tyrod gets to face Miami. They have the 26th ranked pass defense by DVOA. Brissett's facing Houston. He has the 24th ranked pass defense. I'll take Tyrod just because I think he's a better player than Brissett at this point in their careers, but I, it's, it's pretty close. And I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Mahomes outscored them. Um, we know he's going to play the whole game. That helps. And maybe Denver doesn't try quite as hard, but I, I don't know. I'll, give me Tyrod. How about you? Give me the 15 points from safe tie God there. Yeah. It, it's again, it's like, it's the Carlos Hyde question all over again. It's like chase the yep. touches, chase, chase the, the floor. Yep. It's like there used to be like, I feel like there was this time when Tyrod had this amazing ceiling. You know what I mean? Yep. I, not this year. No, no. You, you get your 15 and again, it's not sexy, but you're getting your 15. And, and you now can, the one, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that that's what you can bank on. So I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, and the one thing that makes me think you might see that stealing game from Tyrod this week is just because his, receivers are just so bad like if if he happens to get multiple rushing scores like we haven't seen him do that yet this season if this happens to be the game where it comes up in week 17 like that that's what you're playing for with him but i don't know i have a feeling that game's going to be the shady mccoy show but i I do think tyrod's volume and you know his 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 point forward are pretty pretty safe so let me make sure i can get where you're going here so if you have you know this this innate rushing athleticism and ability to run the football and you're behind the quarterback uh you know behind center with the ball in your hand maybe you should use that skill every so often is that where we're going <laughs> it, it's it's a bold strategy cotton let's see if it works out for him <laughs> just let the guy run the damn ball why not just Seriously. let him run the ball it doesn't make any sense to me don't uh. overthink it man i mean i mean that's why cam newton's good yeah yeah and, and, and what happened when he did less of it He's, right. Yeah. Yeah. He's just not a good quarterback. I mean, you know what I mean? He's he's a special athlete. You put the ball in his hands and let him go make plays. Like that's that's it. That's it. Now just just to be clear and to make sure the cam truthers don't come after you, you were talking about Tyrod not being a good quarterback, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just wanted to, you know, play it safe there for you. I, I don't want your mentions to catch on fire. I, I appreciate you looking out. Yep. <laughs> Last but not least, Greg Sauce, Week 17 NFL Bold Prediction. So I struggle with this because it seems like any prediction this week has to be bold because we have no clue what the hell is going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and maybe it was just recency bias with the question about Tyrod, but I'm going to piggyback off of my pick of him at quarterback. And I'll say that Charles Clay finishes Week 17 as the tight end one. Uh, the Dolphins rank 28th in DVOA against tight ends. They allow one pass per game and about eight yards per game above average to that position. And against, you know, teams with normal offenses, that's not an exceptional matchup. But Clay has led the Bills in targets for two straight weeks. He's clearly Tyrod's favorite target. And the Bills have to win for a chance at making the playoffs. And so I like Clay uh, as a value this week. Um, but, you know, honestly, like I said before, if you're looking at that matchup, you should just use Shady McCoy and, and log out. Oh, man, I love it because uh... – 
Oh, I keep I keep looking at Charles Clay on DraftKings here this weekend. Um, three point seven. You know everybody's going to play Gates, and I get it. He's still a good play. He's got the usage four point two. Um, but it's like I still just like I'm. I was a hundred percent on board playing Gates at two point five. I'm a hundred percent on board playing Gates at three point seven. But Gates at four point two. I don't know. Like I'll probably be able to afford him, but you know I don't really see the difference between him and Clay personally. And uh, if I can get th- Clay at 3.7, lesser owned, and, uh, you know, why not? I'll, I'll take yep. that one. Similar it, ceiling. The, the other the other guy I considered for this, and I want to get your temperature on it, is Will Fuller. Now that DeAndre Hopkins is probably not going to play, do you think that Fuller maybe has some extra appeal just because he's going to see more targets? Yeah. Yeah, I think just he, he has to, right? I just right. – um, I, I don't know what to do with it. I mean, he's, he's, he's been, I guess, I don't, I don't want to say disengaged, right? But he hasn't been a part of the offense in a while now. Week 17, I mean, are they making concerted efforts in the game plan to get Will Fuller the ball? I just, yeah, I, I. And we're talking about TJ Yates too, so that doesn't yeah. help at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, it, it makes logical sense. Um, Maybe Steven Anderson instead? Like I, I feel like there's gotta be someone in that offense. The problem who with Steven up. Anderson is he already burned my ass, right? And oh yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I and and I didn't learn my lesson because I went right back to the well because it worked the first week I did it with Ricky Seals Jones. It's gotta work the second week. This is different than the Steven that Steven Anderson situation, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> I went right back for more. I yeah, so I, I just don't know. Maybe maybe you just avoid the Texans altogether, but I, I feel like something's going to give there. One of those players, and maybe it's just Lamar Miller. Maybe it's Alfred that's Blue. Where, Who knows? That's where like, I was going to go is Lamar Miller. Yeah, and that and that's that's understandable. I but I mean he got out touched by Alfred Blue last week. I uh, I don't know. Oh gosh. I, <laughs> oh gosh, are we? Oh gosh, don't make me use Alfred Blue. If I go back and see that he was out touching Lamar Miller on this week, then. Just the way this whole week is going to play out, like if if he's going to catch four or five passes. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think it's been two weeks in a row, actually. Hold on, let me look this up real quick. This is just getting ugly. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Blue, okay, Miller had more opportunities in week 15. Uh, nine carries, four targets, but he only caught two of those targets, so 11 touches. Alfred Blue in week 15 had 12 touches, all carries. Uh, he did have one target, and then last week, Blue had more attempts again, 16 to 10, and the, uh, Miller had one target. Blue had none. So mm. I don't know, man. <laughs> the lesson is don't play any Texans, but I, I, if, I feel like if you're going to try to attack that matchup in some way, there might be some you know really deep appeal or, or value to Fuller or Anderson if they can get the target share, which by no means is a is a guarantee. But I, I think that's just something that was interesting to me. I was looking at that team earlier, and I'm wondering. What the hell they're going to do? Because yeah. it is a good passing matchup, too, against the Colts. I feel like Fuller would be one of those 15 to 20% GPP type of exposure plays. Maybe maybe higher, maybe 30% if you want to throw a stake in the ground on that and overshoot the the exposure there in tourneys. And um, I think that's the only way I would go. Steven Anderson, I get it. It makes sense. It's just there's other cheap tight ends this week. So I don't know yeah. if there's a, there's a need to go there. Uh, but yeah, if, if, if you're looking at week 17 in the fantasy playoffs and you need to ride Steven Anderson or Will Fuller, 100%, those are guys that you can start. I agree there. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be happy about it, but I think they're interesting. <laughs> That's right. Well, I wouldn't be happy about playing Week 17 Super Bowls either, So, but... But here we are, and I guess that's what keeps us in business. Uh, but that is going to do it for this week's Week 17, uh, I guess, continued Super Bowl edition of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions and brought to you by my bookie. And again, if you have any questions you want answered on the RB Mailbag through the fantasy playoffs here and the actual playoffs, submit those via email at rotofhisradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at rotofhisradio using the hashtag RV Mailbag. Greg, man, many thanks for carving out the time and uh, coming on the show. I feel like an extended show here this week because I have just completely lost control of time. But I uh, appreciate it. Any last-minute plugs here? Uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Greg Sauce. You can always unfollow later if I get annoying. Uh, search for, subscribe to my podcast, the 2QB Experience. Uh, that's the number two and then the letters QB. Uh, check out 2QBs.com and follow that site at 2QBs on Twitter. And in those cases, you got to spell it out, T-W-O-Q-B-S. Uh, we published our first ever fantasy football draft guide dedicated to uh, two quarterback formats in 2017. The 2018 installment should be even better, so be sure to check back with us next preseason for that. Um, above all, my partner, Sal Stefanili, uh, at 2QBFFB and I are both always trying to grow the two quarterback format. So, you know, look us up if you're interested in learning more or just if you have any other questions about, about playing um, that style of fantasy football. We really think you're going to like it. Um, give it a shot. Boom. There it is. 2QBs.com. Check him out. Greg Sauce, just an amazing guy. Amazing follow. Great analysis. So again, heavy hitters here on the show. Make sure you get over there and hit that follow button. And also don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Mailbag, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.